You're listening to audio from the Village Church, a community that's formed by the gospel and sent on God's mission, gathering weekly in the heart of downtown Hamilton, Ohio. For more information about the village or to connect with us, you can find us online at myvillagechurch.com. Good morning. Uh, my name is Michael. I'm one of the pastors. I'm, I'm guessing that you heard that focal passage and you're expecting me to take up an offering for our building project. Um, I'm not going to do that today, uh, but we'll talk about that in just a couple minutes. Um, just two things real quick. One, I know there are a lot of people in this room that, that I don't know you, and, and maybe, maybe you don't know me. When you leave today, if I'm hanging out over there, would you just please come up and say, hey, my name is whatever, uh, and like formally introduce yourself because, man, like I love that you're here, and I want to know you, and I just don't know all of y'all, so please do that for, for my sake so that we don't have to, it's like an awkward, hey, do I know, you know, like just tell me who you are and act like I've never met you in all of our life. Um, the second thing is, man, uh, week after week, I, I stand up here and, and we open God's word and we sit under it together and, and I go back there and I stand in the back with my wife and, you know, we're available to pray and in my heart, uh, I, I'm saying what one preacher said, like, well, you know, we get to give it a shot again next week, you know, and so preaching is something that, that, um, I want to continue to strive in and grow in, and uh, this past week, I, I spent uh, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday, like, all day hanging with, like, 60 other pastors from kind of all over at a, a preaching workshop, and uh, in that, I had to, like, write, basically write two additional sermons to this one, right? They didn't, like, let me preach this one in that setting or whatever, um, <clears throat> and so I had to present and feedback, and it was, like, so good. But I have, like, brain mush right now, and so I, I don't know what's going to happen in the next 40 or 50 or 60 or 70 or 80 minutes or whatever. But um, what, I, what I wanted you to know is I am so thankful, and the reason why I'm compelled to continue to grow in biblical fidelity and grow as a preacher is because of uh, the accountability that you all give me to be men and women and children of the Word. Um, and I know I can't get up here and just wing it every week. Um, because because you wouldn't let me do that. And so in a room full of pastors in a, a million different contexts, my heart was just full um, of, the, of the, the painful toil of preaching uh, that I get to endure and I get to grow in by your all's grace. So I just want to thank you for that. Uh, would you pray with me? And then we'll get into this uh, preaching Six chapters. Uh, probably won't look like the stuff that I learned this past week, but we'll see what happens. So, uh, Father, thank you for the gift uh, of the gathered church in this space in such a time as this that we can pray and sing as one in Christ. God, that we get to sit under your word, that we get to know you. God, may it bring us to a place of of true God worship as we grow in, in grace and knowledge and, and truth that shows us who you are, your hearts for us, your desires for us. And would you let us be a people who live in light of what you call us into as your covenant people, as men and women and children um, in Christ. We love you and we, we, we need you desperately. Would you show us today 
that you prepare a place to be present with your people. May that be here and now, in Christ's name, amen. So as I said, you know, relax. If you heard the focal passage and just assumed I was going to be asking you for money, we're not doing that today, but, but it is a sweet window into the heart of kingdom generosity that we see in this text, and, and God is, is calling his people to do something, and he invites them to give. And so uh, there's some sweetness about that. Um, to be clear, I know that we meet in, uh, we meet in a basement. And if you, like, only uh, attend the Village Church online, then, then you're only uh, attending online. You're not really a part of this family, and so we encourage you to, to be a part of this family. If you didn't know that, we meet uh, under, uh, under the ground, all right? And so I know that might be tough for some of you. Um, we desire to meet in the most helpful, suitable, sensible location that we can. Our desire is to, to be downtown Hamilton, and we know that you all are from all over uh, the county, and we love that and appreciate that, and so you can sit under the word together and, and go scatter out as missionaries wherever you live, work, and play, and all those things. We love that, but there is something about the way that God has allowed us to be on this street, um, on South and North 2nd Street for the last 11 years, and, and we've been in three different spaces, and we've been in this one for like eight years, and and uh, our desire, we, we would love to have windows, right? As a staff, like I can only work in my office a couple days a week because it's just like I need like some vitamin D, right? And so I get that. We would love to have windows um, and, and wouldn't mind, you know, a traditional church building in this few block area or, or whatever. But, but as it is, um, this space uh, allows us to be committed to the neighborhood that we're part of. Uh, and we're growing in that for, for now. All right, and, and this basement works for us as we gather together as God's people. And because of the economics of it and, and this city growing and people actually desiring to actually be in the city now, um, things cost a lot more money. And so for us, meeting in this basement is a small price to pay, which, which allows us to do lots of other things in terms of the way that we use our finances. And, and one of those being staffing uh, the, the way that we do. Um, as a percentage uh, of our budget, we don't have a huge facilities budget, so we get to staff mobilizers and equippers to do kingdom work. And so, um, just, just to be clear, the place that we sit in right now, this is just a place where the church gathers, right? Um, this is not the village church, and that's why even on that chalkboard on the other side of that uh, old escalator, right? This was a Sears building at one point. It says, welcome to a, a gathering place of the Village Church. Why all on all the screen? This is just a gathering place of y'all, right? The people that are the Village Church. And, and so I'm not undermining the value or the influence or the, the culture of a building, a, a culture that a church building brings to a church in the United States uh, in the year 2021. I'm not undermining that. Like, that's a, that's a thing, right? We, we get that that is an influencer. But one thing is sure, this space right here is not the house of the Lord. And you would say, well, yeah, because there's no steeple. How could it, there's no stained glass. How could it possibly be the house of the Lord? Um, we, we gather to sing and pray as one in Christ. And we gather to sit under the word to be built up and equipped by the Spirit through the, the proclamation of his word so that we might scatter out as disciple-making machines. I hope that you know that. 
That's why we gather together. We gather together with the mindfulness that we are gathering as the church with, with an understanding to know that if you're not part of this church, we, we know that you're here and that's okay, but we're not, we're not gearing this time together for you. We're gearing this time together to sit under God's word as God's people so that we might be built up, knowing him, sent out, showing him, proclaiming him in all of our life. Um, but this passage and, and the passage, uh, passages that follow, um, they, they, they're not about where the church meets in, in 2021. It has a bigger aim, and, and that, that aim uh, for us we, is something that we might take for granted. And it's, and it's just this simple truth that God dwells among his people. Right? That wasn't always as obvious as it might be today. Uh, John Mark McMillan sings a song um, that kind of gets to the heart of some of that. He says, come closer, closer to me. Find me broken, find me bleeding, because I need more now than a fairy tale. A God who lives in a book. I need someone real, because I need more now than philosophy. Some God in outer space doesn't mean anything to me, so would you come? If I begged you, would you come? Closer to me now. Come closer, closer to me now. And he presents a real heart-level, kind of gut-wrenching emotion. God, where are you? God, where can I meet you? And God's desire has always been to establish a holy place to be with his holy people and it's one of, for me, this, the, the most blinding themes that we see literally cover to cover. That, that I will be your God and you will be my people and we will dwell together. And, and so often we take that for granted. God makes every effort to dwell among his people despite us doing everything we can to get away from him. And in this particular time in history as we're looking at, in Exodus, God was rebuilding a covenant people. He was establishing them under uh, uh, his rule and his reign and his rest, uh, his law. And he invited them in to love him and to love others in the way that he uh, has designed for humanity to flourish for his glory and for their joy. His first holy place was Eden. And he made this this temple in creation and he set Adam apart as a priest to rule and reign and to govern in that temple and and you know Adam and Eve they they forsook that and they traded truth for a lie uh, he establishes here in this text another the tabernacle uh, the tent of meeting as it's called it's it's rather temporary and then in the future, that tabernacle would be replaced by a temple, which was way more, uh, it had a little better foundation, right? Uh, and then that temple was destroyed, and, and one day, there will be a place for, for God and his people in the new heavens and the new earth. And I won't make this abundantly clear here, but, but it's, it's a fun consideration to look at each of those things and all of the similarities that, that actually point to God just going out of his way to make a place where he can be present with his people. In Genesis 1, God created all that was, and he walked and he dwelt 
with Adam and Eve, and they strolled through the garden in the cool of the evening. God and man taking an evening stroll. Can you imagine? Imagine that. And, and, and we know that sin breaks that, and they were cast out. The sinfulness of man can't dwell with the righteousness of God, and, and yet he continues to make a way for that to happen. Here's, imagine the unique opportunity, the God of the universe present in a particular place with this particular people. There's, there's no doubt that we take this for granted, and when we do, we, when we do that, we don't know how to meet God. We don't know where to meet God. And that's a, a disorienting place to be. But what I want us to know today is, is this. God prepares a place to be present with his people. So we're looking at Exodus 25 through 31, 18. And I'm going to read that right now. I'm not really. Um, but I, I just want to like focus in on this, just this one line. He says, and let them make me a sanctuary that I may dwell in their midst. Right? That's what, that's what the, the remaining chapters are about. And gosh, we could tease those out and talk about all the elements and all of those things. But, but the big picture is, and let them make me a sanctuary that I may dwell, that I may tabernacle, that I may tent in their midst is literally the word. And so up to this point, there's no place to dwell. It's Mount Sinai. It's a, it's a huge mountain that, that God has uh, through Moses, led them to, and we see this kind of hub, you know, where people meet, where they meet God, and we see this, this huge mountain, in the preceding chapters, we see that the masses hang out in like the foothills of the mountain, and then, then he calls some up to like the, the higher levels of the mountain, the, the elders, and, and uh, Aaron, and his family, what would be the, the priests, and then he calls Moses in to the, to the holy place, the glory cloud on top, and he hangs out, and so so what we see here is, is God creates a place, right? That's the first thing that I want us to know. God makes space for his people, right? God creates a place. For years in, in this city, uh, there were exactly two True West coffees uh, less than a half a mile apart. And... That, uh, I don't even know how the, the city functioned with that being the case. I mean, like, just disorder at every turn, right? Um, that created confusion for every meeting that I've ever had at a True West Coffee. Um, especially for people who are not from Hamilton. They're like, yeah, this is a True West. Oh, and then, like, I'm like, go out of my way. It's the one on High Street. It's the one next, like, and then, like, hey, bro, where are you at? Oh, gosh. Did you cross a river to get here? Yeah, I'm like, uh, I'm upstairs. They're, okay. Right, um, Elijah Ballspaw. I don't know if he's here. Yeah, yeah. So we we've been meeting pretty regularly, right? I mean, that's fair to say for for like some years now. But that almost didn't happen because the first time I'm hanging out here and he's all like, where like, and then then for like the next three or four times it's like we like. So which one are you at? Like tell like is it the one like we road name? Is it the one that you can walk to? For, well, I mean, technically you could walk to either. And so it's like. Where are you? Picture, you know what I mean? Like, um, it's a shaky start because we weren't sure where to meet, right? Knowing where you are going to meet someone is, is really 
that's kind of a big deal, right? It's really important. Uh, if you don't establish that, then you're not going to meet him. The same is true for our relationship with God. And, and although the obstacles, they're even greater in the way that we interact with him. God is outside of space and time, which is like, ah, uh, that puts us at a little bit of a disadvantage, right? He's not like us. He's not confined. He's not limited. We can't see him unless he makes himself known to us and makes himself visible to us, not only, but because of the nature of God and man. We actually can't be in his presence lest we be consumed. So finding a place to meet God is pretty important. And so he tells us in 25.9 in Exodus, I want you to build this thing exactly as I show you concerning the pattern of the tabernacle and of its furniture, so you shall make it. Right? It's the craziest thing that, that even though God is completely otherly, he is not like us, but he invites his people to build this holy God together. Finding space to meet God is a, it's a dangerous game, and, it, and it, it wasn't always that way, but because of sin, it is, right? Because of our nature and because God's inability to be in the presence of, of, um, of, of sin like we are, we can't just waltz into the garden or the tent or the temple or, or the kingdom of God and demand to see the manager, like, that's just not how it works. Like, we, we can't do that. So when God says, make the space in such a way, they should, they should make the space in such a way. And so we can't read through the next six chapters this morning. Uh, but I will tell you this. On several occasions in the Old Testament, we see a guy named Ezra and, and some other people just reading the... the in, in one instance, they're like cleaning out this old church building, right? And they find like... God's word, and they're like, what's this? And they blow the dust off of it, and then they just read it for like a week straight. Another time, a guy named Paul, it's the New Testament, he's preaching. He's preaching on through midnight, so much that this young cat named Eutychus, they're on the third floor of a building. He falls asleep. He falls out the window because Paul's preaching so long. Paul goes down. He's like, gosh, you're such an inconvenience. And he prayed for him, and he came back to life, and they hung out until, you know, the sun came, and he got on a boat, and he left. So whatever happens today, just relax, right? That's why we meet in a basement. No one's falling out of a window. <laughs> but I do want to hit on a few things uh, of what God says about the space. And gosh, if you don't have a Bible, come to us and say, I need a Bible because I need, like, I don't want you just to trust me in this. But, but for the next six chapters, what, I, I want to hit on kind of what's happening here. And so what God says about the space uh, and, and the furniture and all these things, because they all mean stuff and we just don't have the time today. But So it's, it's a tabernacle that he's building. It's a tent. It's kind of in three sections. And you can shoot that thing up there. Uh, it's like that. And it's, you're like, wow, that's not super... I mean, it's like some cloth hanging, like some curtains on the outside, and there's like some other stuff. And so that's kind of what it looked like. It was like 150 by 75 feet, like the outer court area. The tabernacle that like the, looks like a circus tent there in the middle was like 45 by 15 feet. Had two main sections, the holy place that was kind of the outer room, and then the holy of holies where like only one could enter, and when he did, later on, they would tie a rope around his leg, because if he was unclean, 
literally God would kill him, and they would have to like, gosh, we got to get this body out of here. They would pull him out like with a rope. Real talk. So like you're not just like I said, you're not just waltzing into the holy place where God's literally waltzing in. So you have in this space all these things. I just want to run through these real quick. The, the Ark of the Covenant, right? And and uh, we get this from other parts of the Bible, but the Ark of the Covenant, it's inside the Holy of Holies. There's, it's basically just a, a chest with a lid on it called the mercy seat um, that they did like sacrifices on. Um, and, and there were two cherubim, like, like angels on that seat. There was a pot of manna where God provided for his people in front of the thing. Uh, there was the, the incense of Moses in the thing. There was Aaron's rod and numbers that, that budded before the people. There was a, co- a copy of the book of the law written by Moses. That's what was in the, the ark. There's a table for bread inside of it. And again, if you're like just flipping through the pages, you're going to see just these things as headings in your Bible. So please do that with me. Uh, the table for bread. It was literally like representative of the presence of God. Bread and sometimes wine. It was a meal that they said, display this regularly. Certainly pointing back to the Passover and pointing forward to communion that we take in remembrance of Christ. There was the tabernacle made of curtains and fine linens and detailed upholstery and, and the Holy of Holies and the Holy Place of God. There was a bronze altar, that thing that's kind of like out there by itself on the right side. Um, there was the court of the tabernacle and again, draperies and, and like the utensils, bronze utensils and everything God said, do it in such a way. There was oil for the lamp. So there's like this idea of like eternal flame stuff and, and Aaron's family who would, who would kind of grow into uh, the Levites that would be the, the, the kind of the priestly family that maintained the, the tabernacle. Um, we didn't have a team that made sure the oil is, is full, but they didn't have a live stream team. So like, like you have to figure out what, you know, like what, what's happening so that the mission might go forth. It, it goes into great detail about the priest's garments. They're, they have like jewelry all over them. They're ornate and there are 12 gems for the 12 tribes of Israel and all kinds of stuff in there. It says that they had to wear underwear, right? Uh, linens, when they enter into the holy place, lest they bear guilt and die. Which is why we're all doing the same thing here today. What a gift. The altar of incense. Fragrance was sweet. The census tax. They had to pay for this stuff. Anointing oil and, and incense. And then uh, Bezalel. Uh, they were craftsmen running point on the building process. So you had like Rick Meyer and you had Ben Brashear and Jonathan Hitch and, and Connie Carter sewing curtains, right? You had all this, this stuff going on. And then you have some words about it on your own. Just know where this stuff fits, right? The point is that God commissions his people to make a place for them to meet where God might be found. Not, not some far off place, not hiding in the bushes, not a, a raging inferno on a mountaintop, but in the middle of camp, in the middle of their city, a building built by the hands of man according to the plans of God, a place for God to dwell among his people. Now, I'm going to help with this in the next few minutes, but I just ask you one question. Where do you meet with God? And, I, and I'll, I'll ask further. And you might say, well, I mean, it's, it says he's spiritual. So, like, it can kind of just, no. Where do you meet with God? 
Because I mean to tell you, my guess is it, it, it's probably more passive than it is in any other relationship that you have on this earth. You're not having a relationship with any other person, family member, friend, where you just say, well, like we just, well, we just, well whenever, like whenever we see each other, no, like where do you go out of your way to meet with God? Where? When? Just think about that as we kind of continue on. So we see that, that uh, the, the first thing, God creates a place, and then the second thing we see, God offers provision. See, for God to be present with his people, there has to be an exchange. There's this holy tension that we've read about whether or not humans can, can actually even see God. Because we see uh, at times in, in these verses, Moses sees God. And, and last week we saw the elders see God. But really the, the description was that there was like a road that, was, that looked like sapphire. And so it's like, did, is this like, like when I was a kid, you watched the Muppets? And you never, I think it was like Nan, Nan was like the babysitter, whatever, and you just never saw beyond her like knees. And she would come in and she would talk and they would just show her feet. And it's like, well, I mean, they did describe the road. So like, is, is that what they saw when they saw the Lord? They just see like his feet. And we see another time when, when, when God says, Moses, like you can see me, but like you can't see all of me because you'll die. So like, just look out this crack and I'm just, just, you'll just be able to see part of me as I walk by. Right, And so we see that, that these people see God, and yet we see in the scriptures that none can see God lest they be consumed or destroyed. And, and the obvious resolution is that they see God in part but not in full. They're not fit to lay eyes on him. And one of the beautiful, the beautiful benefits of our future glory with God is that we will be glorified in our bodies in a way that allows us to be in the literal presence of God for eternity future for all who are his in the name of Jesus. My favorite analogy of this, I've shared this a couple times over the years, but my son and I used to play uh, Lego Batman on the Wii. So it's Batman, he's a Lego, and he runs around town or whatever. But like the point of the game was you like... To, to get to the next level, you always had to have a different suit on. And so, like, you would get to this water thing, and you would try to get in with your, your wing suit, and you would just drown, and you have to start over. And so, like, you would have to go back and find the right suit. And, and there was this green uh, slime ooze stuff, right, biohazard warnings and all that stuff. And you would try as you might, and we tried as we might to, like, get past that. And you step in it, and then eventually you, you die, right, because you can't be there. But if you go back and you, you find, you, you unlock the key and you build the little thing and you put on the biohazard suit, then you can literally waltz right over the green ooze. The Bible says it this way, that the perishable must put on the imperishable. That's true for our eternal life, but it's also true for our nearness to God, for the people of God to be present in a place with God. So at the center of the place that God dwells, uh, the center of the place that God tells his people to make, that, that he might be present, he, he offers provision to let them dwell together. And we looked at this last week, 
And, and we saw that, that our covenant with God is established through the, the blood of the covenant. And, and, and through that blood, there is the pardoning of sin, right? And so last week we saw the importance of establishing our relationship on the word of the covenant and the blood of the covenant. The sacrifice is the critical link for them to be near, that they would, they would take the blood uh, and, and would establish a holy place, lamb or a ram or a goat or whatever it was. So in spite of us being guilty in our sin, sin which leads to death and earns the judgment of God, God provides a way for us to meet with him. The holiness of God is, is something that, man, sometimes is just confusing to me. Like the idea of God being holy. And I know um, someone likened his holiness to like the sun. Like you can't live without it. But if you get too close, you will be consumed. Right? That's, that's the holy nature of God. And, and this guy named Chad Bird in this podcast, 40 Minutes in the Old Testament... He talks about God's holiness. He says the theme of holiness is this, that, that there's a time and there's a place and there's people that God makes holy. The time is the Sabbath. He says time and time again that this day is, is holy. It's set apart for his glory. And, and, and at times he, he does what he's doing here. He makes a place that's holy, that's set apart for his glory. And he makes a people that's set apart for his glory. But here's the thing. Holiness has nothing to do with morality. Like you think, man, but, but if I be good, then like maybe I can, like one, you, you can't. Like you can't just be good enough to stand before God. But, but holy means that God has claimed it as his own. He alone is eternally, holistically, intrinsically holy. So anything else called holy is only because God has placed his holiness into it or onto it. It's never an achievement, but it's a gift. So when he declares, he sets it apart for his glory alone. So when we read this stuff, it's not like these stones and these gems and the gold and the linen it's not like these people, the priests, it's not like in and of themselves they, they are anything, but because of him, because he makes them holy, which is why human hands can build it, and it still be completely holy, set apart for God's glory. So God makes this provision, and he offers what they need to be at the place where God is. If you are a Christian, someone who claims the name of Christ, then we have to understand that we are brought near by the provision of God, the perfect sacrifice once and for all. The way that he imparts holiness is through the blood of sacrifice that happens in the Old Testament, that happens in the New Testament or the New Covenant. The sin of Israel imparted to the innocence of a spotless lamb and, and the judgment of God atoned or, or appeased or forgiven and, and, and the sin of man taken. And the hinge that, that, that we see between God's provision and the third point here, God's presence, 
is found in Hebrews. And if you ever read the book of Hebrews, then know this. Like, the, the author is writing to people who lived out what we're talking about right now. They were, they were Hebrews, right? They were Jews. They were, they were Israelites. They were living according to the, the temple and, and all of these things. And so Hebrews is basically like a commentary for the Old Testament in some really specific ways. And so for the next couple minutes, I, I want to read a couple passages. And man, if you have a Bible, I want you to turn there. Uh, Hebrews chapter 10. Yeah, so God is, is present. God dwells among his people. He says that I may dwell in their midst. We're going to get to that in just a second. You can keep it there, Andy. Um, in John chapter 1, verse 14, it says, And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. Right? You probably heard that, right? Maybe at Christmas time and maybe any other time. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. The word dwelt is literally the word tabernacled or tinted among us. So you have to understand as, as in the New Testament, these Jewish people are hearing these words that we're going to read together in just a couple minutes. They're like, hold the phone. Our forefathers, all the priestly stuff, the garments, the, the holiness, the, the sacrifices, the incense, all that stuff. You're telling me that, that Jesus is claiming to what, undo that? And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory as the only son from the Father, full of grace and truth. Now we see this in Hebrews 10, and gosh, there's just so much in it, but we'll start here. Hebrews 10, actually we won't, right? I want to jump up a little bit. Andy, again, just keep that there. In Hebrews 10, uh, verse 8, I want you to hear this, okay? When he said above, you have neither desired nor taken pleasure in sacrifices and offerings and burnt offerings and sin offerings. These are offered according to the law. Then he added, behold, I have come to do your will. He does, talking about Jesus, he does away in order to establish the second tabernacle, Jesus. And by that by that will we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. This tabernacle is all about daily and annual sacrifices, allowing momentary forgiveness for God's people that he might dwell among them. And we see in Jesus, he does away with that. And by that will we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ, verse 11, and every priest stands daily at his surface, offering repeatedly the same sacrifices, which, hear this, can never take away sins. But when Christ had offered for all time a single sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God, waiting from that time until his enemies should be made. And he has perfected for all time those who are being sanctified. Those are being set apart for his glory. And the Holy Spirit also bears witness to us after saying these things. This is the covenant that I will make with them after those days, declares the Lord. I will put my laws on their hearts and write them in their minds. This is ours in Christ, right? And then he adds, I will remember their sins and their lawless deeds no more. 
where there is forgiveness of these, there is no longer any offering for sin. You're not going to the temple daily. We're not killing innocent lambs. When you sinned last week and you trusted Christ today for the forgiveness of your sins, and when you sin next week, there's no new sacrifice. It's already been done. Continue reading on, picking up in verse 19. Therefore, so when you see that, you say, what is it there for, right? You look up to all the stuff that we just looked at, that all of this hinges on Christ. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the, the holy places by the blood of Jesus, no one in the Old Testament ever said that. No one ever said, look at me. I'm going to walk in there, and I'm going to talk to my God. They're shivering. That's why they wrap the rope around their leg. And he says, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain that is through his flesh. You tracking? All this tabernacle stuff. It wasn't that it was irrelevant. It was, it was groundwork for the fulfillment of all of these things and our assurance of our hope in Jesus. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. And gosh, what a beautiful thing. Not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another to see the day drawing near. When you're just opening up the Bible, when you're reading through Exodus, you're like, what is happening here? And when you, when you get a handle on the fullness of what's being uh, revealed to us by the Spirit through this word, you see, it's not two stories. It's not a hundred stories. It's one story. And, and, and all of it culminating in Jesus who tabernacled among us. So much richness pointing all the way back to Eden when, when God and man walked and, and in the tabernacle and the temple. And, and later on in Exodus, we will see the glory cloud of God moves into the tabernacle and in Christ it's let loose to fill the earth. It was on the cross when he died. What happened? That the, the, the veil was torn from the top to the bottom in the temple. What we see is that, that the presence, the place where God desired to dwell, it's not in the house of God in temples made with hands, but it is in the people of God. All who trust in the name of Jesus for forgiveness of sins and eternal life. 
And if you don't believe me, then turn your Bibles to 1 Peter, right? And this is what he says. 1 Peter chapter 2. So he says, so, so put away all malice and all deceit and hypocrisy and envy and slander. Like, stop doing dumb stuff. Like newborn infants long for the pure spiritual milk that by it you may grow up into salvation. And then he says this, right? For you, maybe this is you and maybe it isn't. If indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. If you've tasted the Lord is good, then stop living like he isn't. Are because he is faithful. As you come to him, a living stone, rejected by men, but in the sight of God, chosen and precious, you yourselves, that is the gathered people of God, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house, as a tabernacle, as a temple. To be a holy priesthood. Remember, it was only the priests that could go all the way into the holy presence of God. And, and Peter tells us, we are the, the house of God and we are the priesthood. Not because we're great. Not because we're holy. Not because we're good. Not because we create a holy place. Not because we are a holy people. Because God has established us to be the holy place. The holy people where the spirit of the living God dwells. And then he says, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Gosh. God prepares a place to be present with his people. And, and in Christ, the place of holy worship, of holy rest, of holy service becomes the person of Jesus, and for all who are in Christ, we become the living temple of God, near to God, filled with the Spirit of God, sent to reveal His glory, His splendor, His rule, His reign, and His rest wherever we go. Because that's true, and, and because the author of Hebrews connects this literally to what we're talking about in Exodus, we get to do we get to do three things, right? We get to approach God confidently wherever we are. When you might look at your life and you say, gosh, I, I've not given up those things. I don't look that way. I'm not good enough. I'm not holy enough. And what, what this book tells us is that God loved you enough to come and be near and dwell among you so that we might approach God confidently. Because it's not about you. It's about the holiness and the righteousness that God has bestowed upon you by his grace through your faith in Christ alone. And secondly, we get to draw near with a true heart without wavering wherever we are. Like, hey, listen to me. God, I've got some words. <laughs> we get to approach him confidently and we get to draw near with a true heart. And we get to hold fast to him wherever, where, wherever you are. On the mountaintop, in the valley, in the highest of highs, in the lowest of lows, in plenty and in want. 
when you're in a room full of people and you feel valued and cared for and connected by human relationships and when you're, when you're all by yourself and you have no one and you feel lonely, we get to draw near with a true heart. And because all of this is true, and because he sends us to, to, to uh, representatively tabernacle his presence to those around us, we get to stir others to worship God. When, when your bro or your sister like uh, stops gathering with the church as some are doing, he says, stir one another up. Invite them back. Let them sit together as God's people. Not because this place is anything special, but because these people are everything special. We get to stir others to worship God. We are literally the the house of God, and not just one of us, but we are bricks being put together. So we get to do that together in community. It's not all on you, and none of this is really even on us. It's just something that God invites us into. So by way of analogy, maybe a bad one, I'll close this way. How about this? Um, You don't have to meet at True West, but we've all been given uh, pots of coffee, and, and, and lives to live hospitably and kindly to bring the holy presence of God wherever we might find ourselves. And what I want you to know today is we don't need this stage and we don't need a prayer bench and we don't need music and we don't need prayers and we don't need songs. But man, those things stir us to believe these things that are true. And, and even so, what a gift to gather in God's name, in the name of Jesus, centering our lives together on the life that was poured out to make us a people set apart for God's glory. God prepares a place to be present with his people. Man, can we be that place? Can we be that people? And can we make him known to the ends of the earth? The man can come up. Would you pray with me? Father, thank you for the gift of your presence. God, would you let us not take that for granted? Would you let us be your people? And those in this room who have, have never come to that place today, would you just stir them in a way? Would you show them that there is no hope apart from you in this life or the next? God, for those who are wearied, would you build them up? For those who are confused, would you give them clarity? For those who get you and walk with you, would you encourage them that you notice, that you're near, that you're not far off, that you're not some God in outer space that doesn't mean anything to us. You're not some God that that just dwells in a book. You are here and you long for us to dwell with you as your people in the place that you have prepared. Christ's name, amen.